0: G Academy presents Rot Iron Rest. A Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play Starring Michael as Aramie Mott, Scott as Dane Seaborn, and Matthew as Cassandra Ziegengeist. Featuring Caleb, your Game Master. This actual play is supported by BattleBards.com.
1: And I know when people are afraid of me, because most people on the islands were. I got used to that. So I'm doing the thing, again, where I've, I've got my hammer, and I'm just sort of twisting it back and forth. So the Kovar is facing, and then the invar bar is facing, and just kind of going back and forth. And I'm, I'm totally, like, I'm not upset. I'm not scared. I'm not angry. I'm just, like, waiting. And if they make a move, then we're going to go. But I'm totally fine if they decide to walk away at this point.
0: So as you are standing there, you're kind of in this showdown moment. And it feels like it's lasting a long time. It's exactly in the movies where the camera plays over your face, bounces to one of them, circles around a little bit. So there's this long beat where you're kind of eyeballing each of these figures. And while you had initially started with this kind of tall person with the tusks, your eyes settle on the figure that spoke to you originally. And he is, you can tell he's the boss. You can tell he's in charge. And as you are eyeballing him, kind of locked in a stare with him, you see him break his gaze away from you and his eyes flick over your shoulder to where you know a couple of the other thugs are behind you. And you hear them start to run forward.
1: All right, then I will sort of, almost do like a pirouette, almost spin around, and as I spin, I'll sink to my to my knees. So like I'm like my feet are my knees are sort of twisting into each other, and I'll take my hammer and make like a big swinging arc and try to catch them by their ankles and trip them both.
0: Okay, why don't you make an attack roll?
1: Okay. All right, uh, that would be a nineteen. Versus armor class with the Warhammer. Alrighty,
0: so you smack into one of these thugs as he is rushing towards you. And you actually knock him bodily into his compatriot. And both of them just bowl over into this building in, and land in a heap.
1: And then I will um, continue to spin on my knee so that I'm back facing the guy that's in charge and then just slowly stand back up
0: as you are doing that the other two start to rush towards you as well and each of them draws a what might be a short sword or might be a very long dagger but it's, it's got a very curvy twisted blade and you see them flash in the setting sunlight
1: so again i'm twisting the head of my hammer back and forth at this point, it, it's on, so I'm going to twist it so that Kovar is the one that's facing out. I'll kind of almost do like a weightlifter sort of pose where I, my shoulders will come up. And then I'm going to start to get the glow around me. And the uh, the visage of Kovar will sort of extend out above me. So there's like this ghostly image of a three-foot-taller version of me, but it's the Kovar uh, and essentially, that's going to be that that spell. And if they get in range, I'm going to try to hit him with it. The first one will get the full brunt of the Kovar to the face.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. They are just rushing towards him.
1: That was going to be an 18 versus armor
0: class. All right. So, uh, as you are swinging your hammer, this ghostly magical image is also swinging its hammer, kind of in concert with you. And. Again, as you connect with the first of these two people rushing at you, the hammer moves with your swing, connects, and moves through the figure you just hit, and hits the second one. So it's almost like the after image of your swing continues through and impacts on the second one. The first one takes the full impact of your blow. You hear the air just... Woof, out of his chest you completely drop him to the ground the second one though who got impacted by this echoey magic actually lifts up in the air and gets knocked back three or four feet slams into a building and crumples to the ground
1: i will then look back to the guy who's in charge and i will raise an eyebrow
0: questioningly in response he starts to back away and he is four or five paces away from you. He looks around. He sees that the other four figures are still on the ground, just in heaps, and then he turns and runs.
1: I'll uh, wait just a second, kind of look around, just to make sure that there's not circling around and there's no one else in the crowd that is, you know, getting frisky. And then if nothing happens, I'll put my weapon back in my holster go over to the old man and give him offer him an arm say
0: come on old timer let me walk you home so as you uh, as you help this old man up and he takes your hand he his hood falls back and you see a very old man but he is not visibly weak or infirmed He, he seems to be a very healthy just really old dude and he looks up at you, and he says, Well, I guess I should thank you for helping me out. I really appreciate it.
1: It's the will of Invar that it, we help those in need. No things are necessary.
0: Oh, I thought I sensed a little bit of the dwarven gods about you. Are, are you a follower of the faith of Invar and Kovar? I was. I'm
1: sort of walking a different path these days, but... Uh... I seem to
0: have carried them with me a bit. Well, they certainly still seem to be supporting you in your activities, young lady. What brings you to the port here? Are, are you on? Uh, are you on an adventure? Are you on a mission?
1: I'll, uh, so I, again, I got my, my arm like arm in arm with him, and I'll kind of pat his his hand on top of mine. Uh, I kind of lean in, almost you know conspiratorial. Yes, we are on a bit of adventure. It started, and then we'll fade to black, so I don't have to go through all of that.
2: You just tell them everything?
1: Yeah, of course. Literally. Like, the the three treasures, the snake people, salt offering, the whole nine yards. Like, I I would have no reason not to tell them everything.
0: Great. So now the BBEG knows everything. So we fade to black on this scene, uh, but we fade back in. And you are standing in front of a small but respectable house. So as you get to this small but respectable house, you are wrapping up your story. And as you guys were walking through the town, you you were chatting with this old man and and telling him what had happened. You've now walked him home. He says, wow, that that is quite a story, Arami. And it reminds me of my days... As an adventurer, you may not believe this, but when I was your age, I was actually adventuring on a ship as well. I crashed on an island and I was kidnapped by... Oh, I was kidnapped by a man who sang and wanted to kill me to summon an elder god. Do you believe that? It was... ah oh, It's been so long since I've thought of those. It's just such a... Such a long story. I would believe that
1: story. I've had some very interesting things hap- happen to me. Would Would you want
0: to tell me that whole story sometime? You know, one of these days, I think I'm, that might just happen, Army. But for now, I really do appreciate you walking me home. I, I feel so much safer. And uh, he turns and walks to his front door. Suddenly, you hear a clatter. And out of the alley next to this old man's house, from behind some barrels and some empty boxes that were piled up there, the, uh, the, the tall figure with tusks that you had uh, kind of stared down earlier leaps out of the shadows. And you see him brandishing one of these uh, curvy, wavy knives, and he is leaping through the air and he's about to bring the knife down on this old man's chest. And in a a flash of movement, the old man plants his feet, grabs his walking stick with both hands, spins, slams the stick into this figure's chest, mid-air, just catches him, right in the air, baseball bat swing style. And... There's almost a pause, and then there's this thump of air pressure, and this dude flies across the alley, 30 feet, slams into the wall, and slides to the ground. This is how you build a monk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you were wondering. (laughs)
1: I'll rush over towards him, even though I obviously at this point I see that he can take care of himself, or at least could there. Are are you okay?
0: And he puts his stick down, leans on it heavily, and you see while momentarily he was standing very strong and defiant and aggressively, he's instantly back to that old man kinda hunched over again, not an invalid, not sick, but just old that you had been walking with for the past 20 minutes telling him your story. And he looks up at you and he smiles. Oh, yes, Army, I'm fine with, I think with you here to help me out and protect me, I, I feel totally safe. And he walks into his house.
1: All right, so just before he, like, closes the door, there'll be a moment where I'm still standing there, and he kind of looks over his shoulder, and I'll be like, so, our old-timer, what's your name? Connor. Very nice to meet you connor curmudgeon <laughs> swear to god and then army's you're gonna like as he's closing the door army's gonna reach down to her belt loop and pull our hammer free and as the scene fades to black i'm walking over towards that where that guy fell
0: and let's wrap things up here with dane uh what have you been up to on this fine day dane i assume you started by sleeping until two or three
2: Obviously, I mean, uh, Dane was up uh, late trying to translate his uh, artisanal cooking training into artisanal gambling training. Now that there's money to be made <laughs> and uh, rubes to be knifed, you you hmm. can't knife the rubes until they're drunk. And so the the goal is to uh, rig the games to take their money in in you know until drunks from other tables get up and leave, and then follow them out, and knife them, and take their stuff. Yeah, so. uh yeah, uh, I I think um, Dane is is asleep on the the we we've been here a little while now, so so Dane's managed to convince Army that that uh, she did need to uh, use her store credit, you know, instead of accepting pay, accept uh, trade and and take a couch home because the couch that was in this house when we got here was not up to snuff, right? It was like stuffed with straw, like and wheat or something, not you know feathers down. Super comfy. So uh, we we have a a, a significant improvement on the couch and uh, Dane uh, wakes up there. uh, A bunch of coins that he'd been bathing in uh, the (laughs) night before. I kind of clamber off of him. (laughs) Tilly? Oh. Oh. He kind of takes a minute and and recomposes himself and then uh, puts back on all his clothes because he of course sleeps naked. And then... um, is off to the, the, uh, the winking Skeever, no, the blinking Sphinx, no, the, the winking Medusa. He's off to the blinking Medusa to, uh, have his morning breakfast.
0: All right, so you are taking all of the shortcuts that you have learned. Mostly going
2: over all the buildings. It's more fun that way. Absolutely.
0: As you're climbing up the wall of a nearby building that you have learned is quick to ascend and put you in the easiest access to some rooftops there's a nice shortcut towards the tavern, uh, you start kind of jumping from space to space, uh, going from one rooftop to the next, and you are getting closer to uh, the tavern, and you're about to slide down a drainpipe pipe and and roll into the front door. I, I say to myself, for it was in Molybdenum sixteen eight
2: that it said, Parkour! And then I tumble off and uh, land in a perfectly flat plant. Yeah!
0: Kind of sad nobody saw that. And suddenly what catches your eye is basically fireworks. The, the bright, colorful explosions, kind of like flares going off in the air. It It's deeper into the town itself. And you have come to know over the past week that typically when something like this happens, that means there is either some sort of special event happening at one of these gambling dens that you have become familiar with, or possibly someone is alerting the crowd to a new, a new part of the festival being, ...opened and revealed to uh, passersby to attract their attention.
2: Well, uh, if there's passersby being alerted, that means there's rubes who are not paying attention to their purses. So maybe I'll have to skip breakfast, but breakfast will be on them. So I, I uh, cut short my uh, shortcut and uh, divert my path toward the, the display of pyrotechnical
0: awesome. So you skip your way through the crowd... And you get over to. Hey, I, I prefer to say I traips. All right, you traips through the crowd. And you get over to where these fireworks are going off. And you see that there is a new attraction, as part of the religious festival being opened. And there is a a very tall figure out in front of this very clearly a temporary building that has been erected overnight. Not quite a tent, but not quite a permanent house or building either. And, uh, this tall figure is acting as the Barker and he's shouting out to the crowd. Well, actually it's, it's a, she, as you get a little bit closer, you hear, uh, that her, while her voice is lower, uh, this is definitely a, a female shouting out, come, come one and all come see the true historical story of the great war come see what our forefathers went through to bring us the peace that we are at today and there's a crowd of people bustling around her uh, handing copper pieces to a couple figures at the door and they're buying tickets and letting them in and you look up at this person who's standing on a box so she's kind of elevated from the crowd and you realize that you're staring at a a full-blooded elf and you pause for a minute because you recognize that she is an elf because she has very similar features to cassander but she's also maybe about a foot and a half taller she's very very thin and live And she is the exact color of you. I, uh, walk up to her.
2: So what's a nice blue elf like you doing in a place like this?
0: She pauses for a minute and looks down at you. And you see a flash across her face of recognition. And it immediately goes away. And she returns to her, her her activity of shouting out, yes, yes, hello, well, welcome, brother, welcome, come see the stories of of the Great War. Uh, but she immediately looks away from you as well, and she is uh, she stands up, she turns kind of a quarter turn, and she's just shouting to the crowd. Oh, come on, honey, don't make me blue. When do you get off? And she takes kind of another small turn away from you and continues to shout. Alright, uh, in the direction where she's facing and shouting, I'll, uh, you know, uh,
2: climb, uh, you know, I'll I'll sneak around the crowd, uh, around the back of the building, climb to the top of the three-story building, and then just be perched on the the corner with my my little dwarvy legs dangling off the next time she looks over. And I'm like, you know, waving at her, doing, like, the, the two plus two equals we should, you know, hang out sometime
0: face. So as she watches you clamor up a building and try to catch her attention she again turns away from you staring at the crowd on the other side uh raising her voice a little bit louder Uh, she's very clearly trying to avoid you
2: all right so um uh i will uh, acrobatically dive off of the roof and then uh i will uh use stealth to sneak up behind her so she's not looking and reverse pickpocket my spare house key. That, that since it's where it's we're, it's a guest house, right? It's labeled with our address on the old thing, right? I will I will reverse pickpocket it into her uh, her containers. You know, her, everybody has pockets, right? I'll reverse pickpocket it into her pockets or bag, whatever, whatever she's equipped
0: with. And while no one saw you do that, a couple people did see you somersault off the building and they applaud wildly, thinking that you are part of the the crowd control for this new attraction trying to get attention for it.
2: Now 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 we're talking. Excellent. I like it when people pay attention to me. Cool. <laughs> it's almost so like I... that's what you live for. It is almost like that. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, so so uh, I, I I stealth away and then I say now we play the waiting game. <laughs> D-
0: does does she notice? Uh, you do not see her react to what you did. <sighs> and after right, a f- I'm gonna reverse pickpocket a brick in her pocket <laughs> this time. <laughs> after a few minutes, you get a little bit impatient. Yeah, I do. But <laughs> at that moment, she climbs down off the box she was standing on, another elf, very similar to her, but this time a, a dude, climbs up instead and starts shouting at the crowd. And, and... Also crazy blue? Yep. What?
2: And... Is it makeup? If this rubs off, I feel like I was robbed and I want my money back.
0: And she walks into the attraction.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking right in there. Just acrobatically do a flip, a flip, a flip flop right in there.
0: Just like whoop. Alright, so you slip past the the ticket takers at the front door, and you enter this attraction. And this is kind of a, a, a diorama, kind of like a, the Small World exhibit, but you're not on a boat, you're just walking through it. And it. Is there an annoying song? Uh, there is music playing, uh, but it's just instrumental uh, music. It seems to be... Kind of dwarven music, oddly enough. Hmm. Uh, it right. it very much sounds like the music you know from the Reforged Isles, but there is also a a bit of a a bit of a tone to it that you don't recognize. Dwarven music is very deep and heavy. It's it's kind of that uh, throat singing music. It's kind of like temple music. It's hymns and prayers this time you're definitely picking up like stringed instruments. And, and it's it's very it's very yeah, d- li- Dwarves only have percussion. It, it's very lyrical. It's very lilting. It seems to be kind of layered in with this dwarven music. Not really part of it, but it complements it very well. Uh, but it, it's very subtle. It's all in the background. It's not like you walk past a band playing you just hear this music as you're in this attraction. And each room that you're in, you, you see uh, uh, a display. Uh, some uh, With some displays, there's actually moving pieces, kind of like a shadow puppetry kind of thing happening. And there is a, uh, a little placard you can read that tells you what's happening in this part of the story. So as you go through these rooms you are reading uh, bits uh, of them you you kind of just aren't really paying attention you're looking for the tall blue chick but you do notice as you're walking through the attraction that something doesn't seem quite right with with this You're, you're not really paying attention you're just kind of glancing over the placards you're just giving the the, the pictures and, and the paintings a cursory glance as you're going through the crowd because there's other people in here too but you know the stories of the great war you grew up on the reforged isles you learned them all you know them all
2: oh yeah yeah i had to be in the i had to be a little baby in the manger every year yeah dwarven catechism regardless of how big i got
0: it was <laughs> ridiculous yeah Dwarven catechisms are basically the story of of the war exploits and the great victories of the dwarves. Just kind of out of the corner of your eye, you've got that sneaking suspicion that... Wait a minute, that detail's not right. Wait wait a second.
2: And, And you... Did they replace all the dwarves with gigantic elves?
0: You realize as you move through the rooms that everything you're reading is about the successes of the elves in the great war not the dwarves and you get to the last room and the last room depicts a a huge mural this time the mural is basically the entire room that you're in it's kind of like as you walk into oh, the door, Miro, right, yeah. you're walking into the middle of the scene and it's painted on all of the walls surrounding you. You realize that this is supposed to be the depiction of the final battle, the final end to the Great War. Again, you you see all the details of, about uh, the... what you know to be what... The dwarves fought and won, but you see everything changed very slightly to be about how the elves helped and how the elves made this all happen. And as you are standing here, you have not yet seen the uh, the woman that you were chasing.
3: It's like the last room. It's so boring. <laughs> this elf lady better be somewhere.
2: And as oh, I've only picked like two pockets going through here. And they were like they had nothing. Like buttons, spare shoelace. honest to God, a spare shoelace. Who keeps like you just keep that at home?
0: <laughs> and as you are standing there, just kind of getting very annoyed with what's happening, you feel someone bump into you.
2: I check my pockets.
0: You know the practice feel of bumping into someone to pick their pockets uh-huh. but nothing's missing is something new in fact something is in your pocket now
2: is it a note with her phone number I bet it's the no. key back
0: nope it is neither of those things it is a brass and crystal telescope
2: I'm gonna look at who bumped into me and be like where'd you find this
0: Uh, You don't see anyone immediately next to you at this point. It has been quite some time since this item appeared on your person.
2: Yes, and the last time...
3: This exhibit's so boring.
2: The last time it showed me a bunch of dwarves getting killed, so... uh... Dane really doesn't want to look at it again too bad. Uh... If Army were here, he'd make her do it. All right. with With regret, he kind of puts it up to his eye and looks at the exhibit.
0: So you see the exhibit around you, and after a second, you see a shimmering change in all of the painted images. And you realize that instead of the depiction of the Great War, what is painted almost behind these images
2: a painting within the painting
0: is a story about the Great War and it is about the fact that while the dwarves were researching uh, the rituals and the spells necessary to end the war the entirety of the elven nation was fighting on the front line. And it took the combined force of every elf in creation to stand against these enemies and hold them at bay.
2: Seems like uh, we could have done that the other way. I mean, elves ain't good at combat. We could have had 100 dwarves, 300 maybe. We could have had 300 bare-chested loincloth-wearing dwarves hold off that entire army. And then the elves would have been way better at research. I mean, the professor basically demonstrates that all day every day. Dane tisk tisks to himself, like, why'd they do this backward? They were stupid in the olden times. And, uh, yeah. Then he, uh, realizes that this crystal lens, maybe instead of showing him really boring stuff, was actually supposed to show him where this tall blue girl is. And so he starts poking around and looking for her with it. Like, I spy with my little eye. He's playing Where's Waldo? Except with with that uh, really tall elf.
0: And as you are looking around, you are looking in this large all-encompassing mural of the final room and you see an image of this massive force of all the elves standing against an enemy that is completely in silhouette but it appears to be just a massive army of huge creatures and then you see a flood of water obliterate the battlefield destroying both forces in its entirety. And as you, as you are looking at this, you're turning around the room, and suddenly in your field of vision is the elf that you had been looking for.
2: I, uh, kind of ratchet and play it up like I'm looking at her through my spirograph, and uh, raise one eyebrow really big at her and then slowly lower it, and Make her the uh, universal symbol of what up with my eyebrows. As
0: you lower the lens, you she is gone. But bring it back up. <laughs> she is standing there. And bring it back down. She's gone. I I'm, I'm gonna bring
2: it up and leave my other eye opened, and then kind of walk forward with my hand out. Like what is is she in, is is she invisible? I mean, politely. It's it's a polite height. It's, I mean, she's really tall and really short. I'm like grasping at knees, but
0: uh, there is no one physically in front of you. You can only grasp right through her knees. You can only see her through the lens. <sighs> and she is standing over you, looking down at you, not in a menacing way, uh, but you see a very deep sadness in her face, and she's. Baby, where you got to go? And she says, This is the truth, little brother. Have you learned your place in it yet? I, I, I can only see you through the...
2: So I, I, I put the lens up to my mouth, assuming that I could, she can could only hear me through it, too. And I say,
0: What are you talking about? And put it back to my eye. And she just shakes her head. You'll learn soon enough. I,
2: I, I put it back to my uh, lips, yeah. And <laughs> I say uh l- later tonight D- do you want to hang out sometime put it back to my eye.
0: and she sighs and turns and walks away
2: ba- baby where you got to go I- I-, I I do that again with with my lips like hey
0: wait wait we were having a good time I I know how to cook and I look again and all you see is that she is walking away from you and exiting the attraction I follow her
2: she's way more attractive than that attraction
0: it's misnamed. As soon as you are outside of this attraction, she is gone. What? I, I, she was just here. What is... Who could... What? Perception check. Nope. You cannot find her.
2: Uh, there the is tall, boring man one
0: still criering? Yep. Yep. Back at the front of the attraction, the male elf that replaced her is... is Doing his job to try to get people to come in, shouting at them, getting their attention, uh, kind of heckling back and forth with them to convince them to come over. Uh, but she is absolutely gone.
2: All right, Dane will uh, spend the the rest of of his free time uh, following that dude from the shadows to see where he goes and what he does, and uh, because Tall Elf will probably lead me to Tall Elf. I don't know if. I'm her little brother. That's really creepy. But uh, she's really enigmatic. She's playing super hard to get. And Dane loves it when anything
0: plays hard to get. So if you follow him around for a little bit, uh, he will spend maybe an hour or so on the platform. This is the most
2: boring following ever. And Uh then
0: he will hop off and Mm. enter Mm. the attraction through a... A side mm. entrance, and it's easy enough to figure out that this is kind of the staff area. And when he hops down, another figure, another another guy elf steps in his place. And the also w- bright blue and tall? Yes.
2: What, are they coming, a tribe? I, I sneak into the staff area. Is it literally a room full of
0: gigantic blue elves? Uh, no, this is a kind of a prep or a staging area. You see some of the people who are playing the music and working the attractions. You see most of them putting on different costumes.
2: Do I see buckets of blue body paint?
0: Yep, yep, there's some blue makeup over there.
3: Ah! Son of... Those...
0: What?
1: A rumpf. <laughs> so when she asked you if you knew your place, you Although, just didn't know if you knew where you're supposed to go for your
2: scene or something. <sighs> I don't work here. Lady. Life is a lie. A patron. <laughs> I just don't want to know why the lens only shows me horrifying vis- visages of death and uh, the dwarves being awesome and the elves sucking and also this elf chick I kind of like tisk tisking me and walking away. It's like three. I don't know unsatisfying uh i still got it in my hand right yeah i spend the rest of an hour just staring at things in it and like doing the up and down thing and just seeing if if uh you know like twisting it around
0: seeing for the kaleidoscope and, and just enjoying it and that is exactly what it is that is exactly what it is nothing special happens
2: bummer uh, so after that dane's super hungry for breakfast and he goes back to the blinking medusa
0: Alrighty, so uh, Cassandra, when you flew away as an eagle, where did you go? Well,
3: I think I just uh, took in the island for a bit, and then I probably headed over to the uh, the winking Gorgon, or the winking Medusa, winking Gorgon, blinking. blinking. The winking oh, Medusa is the is back in room, the back. right? Okay, that's why I'm getting confused. Okay, so the blinking Gorgon. Get rock Medusa. hard.
0: Yeah. And Aramie, after your little adventure. Did you head to the Blinking Medusa as well? Yes, I did. Alrighty, so the three of you end up at the tavern roughly about the same time. And you have your little table in the corner that's kind of become your spot to sit in. And the three of you show up to have a meal. Morning, you guys.
1: It's 7.30 at
2: night, I think. <laughs> Oh, already. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ugh, so, uh, totally met a girl.
3: Uh, that is a interesting uh, turn of events. What uh, what uh kind of young lady did you meet? A gigantic one. A giant?
2: Uh, no, she was an elf, but, oh. like, at least two feet taller than you, and, uh, wears a lot of bright blue skin makeup, looks like. She's part of that attraction downtown, they had fireworks, mm. I don't know if you, uh, Recall, I did. Anyway, I also stumbled upon a bunch of unconscious people in the street. Coin purse is ripe for the taking. <laughs> nice. It's, uh, it's been a pretty good morning so far. Uh, how about y'all? Still evening. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> I had an interesting day at the shop. Uh, Miss Atoman left without really telling me where she was going. I had to lock up the store by myself. Then I, I met a nice man.
2: Hey. Hey, was, was he really, really tall and blue and an elf? No, he was a uh, human, kind of old. Oh, you're in the older guys, Army? I mean, no. Uh, alright, alright, we're just going to leave this leave this lie here. But You do notice that Army has a,
1: has a new necklace, it's a string, and there's two tusks on it that are...
3: Oh, army! I didn't notice your necklace right there because I thought I was looking at your armor, but I wasn't. <laughs> <clears throat> mm, no. So, so how's
2: your ivory poaching going? It's just a oh, just a little souvenir, huh? Nice, nice, great. How about you, Professor? You read books literally all day long. I'm sure.
3: No, Dane. I actually was. uh, uh-huh, uh hold on. I'm tired okay, already. <laughs> oh, you know what? Great. You know what? Uh, can we get a round, please? Yeah. First round's on Dane. <laughs> yeah, it's on these guys. <laughs> I up
2: muddy pouches with little like uh, like blood trickles on them.
0: <laughs> so Miranda brings over some food and uh, a couple mugs of ale.
3: Thank you, Miranda. The service here, as always, impeccable. You're the best, Miranda.
2: The best. These eggs, oh, they're wonderful. And thank you so much for getting me a larger-sized <laughs> ale. Oh, buckets, who'd have thought? <laughs>
3: he's, he's oh, got you're a, welcome.
1: He's got a two-handed. <laughs> it's the mop bucket.
3: <sighs> she doesn't even clean it. Like, when she sees yeah. him come in, she just spills out what's in it and then just starts filling it with beer.
2: You know, uh, I miss the iron filings, but uh, this stuff isn't half bad. It's, it's got a little bit of like a like like a turpentiney kind of bitter bite to it. Like like yeah, some, some. I mean, it really it tastes like like the smell of
3: cleaned armor, like like what you use to clean armor and polish it. Yeah, it's great. I would have no idea what that is. <laughs> I was gonna, you know what? I was gonna get in there with that jab, <laughs> but I decided to practice in my head a Miranda voice saying, well, honey, this this is what we call a sour around these parts.
1: <laughs> so, another day, huh? And I'll
3: hold up my mug to the center. I will also bring in mine for a cheers. Cheer With my bucket. Blink.
0: Blink. <laughs> and as the three of you are toasting and drinking your ale... The front door of the tavern slams open. Captain Grimudgeon walks oh, in.
2: I spy with my little eye something that looks like Captain Grimudgeon, <laughs> and I pull up my my kaleidoscope to my eye again to see him. And, he, hey, and he's where'd that he's
3: just and he's just a demon with tentacle friggin' things coming out of every appendage. Ah!
2: It's like looking at the, the eye of Sauron, just like, burning eye! Like, ah! And he just puts
3: it down like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Never look at that again. Yeah. Whoa. T-M-I, right? <laughs>
2: Hashtag spoilers. Closes it, puts it away. Yep. Yeah. D- so do I still have my kaleidoscope to stare at Captain Corrugging with?
0: You do have your lens.
3: Oh. Yes!
2: And I'm like, vast there, ye, Captain Settle down and have an ale.
0: Well, it's a good thing you picked up a telescope, there, Dane. You're going to need it. We're about to set sail. Oh,
2: well, what? Well, I I was just getting my ass grooved in this couch. I I have a job.
3: <laughs>
2: I'm like assistant to the manager right now. <laughs> just, <laughs> I Army, mean, I thought you were the deputy assistant to the manager. Is that like being assistant to the manager? It's like your next promotion?
3: Track? I, I, yeah,
1: I think so. It's like I have the title, but not the responsibilities. Or is it the other way around? It's like when you have armor, but you don't wear
2: it. I don't yes, that that's the title, but not <laughs> being responsible. I don't want
3: to talk about this anymore. Just
2: really irresponsible. I don't want to talk about
3: so, uh, uh,
2: actually, this isn't a spyglass, Captain Curmudgeon. It's its that weird lens we found on that island that vanished. Crazy story, right? Anyway, it let me stare at this hot blue girl. <laughs> well, I mean, she was okay looking for an elf. I mean, she really, uh she'd need a beard transplant. But otherwise, uh, I, I thought she was okay. Really playing hard to get to.
0: Well, you know, we can figure that out later. We have a voyage to prepare for. Have the three of you heard of the Everdeep?
1: Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here,